Good morning. My name is Mark Schuler. I'm the pastor of adult ministries here at Harvest, and it's a privilege to open up God's Word with you today. And uh, as I prepare to preach, I'd just like to ask you, if you think about it today, if you could pray for me. I've been battling migraines for a while, and with that sometimes comes a little bit of vertigo. So I'm trying not to see three of you right now. No, it's not that bad, really. But I do appreciate your prayers and that, that God would just sustain me for these three services as I'm really looking forward to sharing the truths of this passage with you. Let's start that now. I want to open up with this. Pastor David Martin Lloyd-Jones tells the story of a farmer. And one day this farmer came rushing into the kitchen with a big smile on his face and greeted his wife. And he said, honey, I've got just the greatest news. Our, our finest cow has given birth to twins, a one brown and one white. And here's what I want to do. I want to dedicate one of these uh, calves to the Lord. We'll, we'll raise them up together, and when they're at the right uh, age, we'll sell them off, and we'll keep the money from the one, and we'll give the money from the other to the Lord. And so his wife says, man, this, this sounds great. Like, I'm totally on board uh, with that, but just tell me which... Which one's going to be the Lord's and which one's going to be ours? And the husband quickly said, well, I don't need to worry about that now. We'll decide later since we're going to raise them together. And so a few months later, the husband again comes back into the kitchen and he's um, looking a little bit more sad. A bit of a frown on his face and his wife says, sweetheart, why are, what's going on? Why are you so depressed? And he said, um, hon, I've got really bad news. The Lord's cow has died. <laughs> I love that story, and we can so relate to that because we all have a bit of a bent towards ourself. And that's, that's probably a good question to be asking ourselves this morning. In my life, is it always the Lord's cow that dies? Right? When I, when I examine my heart and I think about my money and my possessions, it, is it usually for me or usually for God? Who's all this stuff for? And that's the real issue of the matter that Jesus is going to address in Matthew 6. Where is your heart? Where is your treasure? So why don't you head there now to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 19 to 34. So we've got a pretty decent chunk here to cover this morning. And so if you're taking notes, here's the first point as we dig into verses 19 to 21. It's this, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth. Verse 19, Jesus speaking, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So as we jump into chapter 6 here, verses 19 to 21, we find ourselves right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching his disciples on the top of a mountain or a large hill, and uh, this is one of the greatest sermons that our Lord ever preached. And if you were to look back in chapter 5, you would know that he's already talked to his disciples about joy, persecution, evangelism, anger, lust, divorce, loving your enemies, giving, prayer, and fasting. Now we come to chapter 6. Jesus begins to teach them and warn them not to live for and love the things of this earth, but to love God 
and to serve God faithfully with all that we have. And as we look at these verses, as we, as we dig in, let's all of us avoid the temptation to be thinking about our family members or our friends or our co-workers, but let's seek to examine our own heart. That church really is the application of verse 21. It's our own heart. And so this really is on topic for us today. We need to be careful and we need to be wise with what we have and what we desire. We really do need a right view of God and a right view of ourselves and a right view of our stuff. And so did the disciples. It's why Jesus in verses 19 to 20 makes this just super clear for them. Verses 19 and 20, as you probably noticed, are almost exact parallels. And so Jesus taught them very clearly here so they could understand and also easily memorize this. So let me read this to you one more time. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we see the command right away, right? Jesus says, do not. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And so the idea here at church is stockpiling. It's hoarding. This, this really has less to do with necessities of what you're going to eat or drink or wear. Jesus will cover that in verses 25 to 34 and we'll get there. But the idea here, as I wrote down, is this. It's on accumulating money and possessions for ourselves. It's the, it's the more and more for self here and now vision. It's investing only in me and not investing in the kingdom of God. It's seeking to get ahead and comfortable in this world while we have zero thought of the eternal. And so Jesus says to them, don't, don't do that, guys. Don't do that. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's only temporary. I mean, think about it. All the stuff that we have here, right? Nothing's completely safe from destruction or from theft. And even if you manage to take good care of it all, uh, you'll be separated from it when you die. Right? That, that's the old joke, right? Is you never see a U-Haul on the back of a hearse. Right? And 1 Timothy 6, 7 says it like that. Well, we came into the world with nothing and we'll leave with nothing. And so you can't take your treasure with you. But here it is now. Listen, you can send it on ahead. You can send it on ahead. And so that's the contrast. Heaven and earth. Don't be consumed with now and forget about forever. Right? Don't lay it up here, he's saying, guys. Lay it up there. And let me just clarify this now. Uh, Jesus is not uh, forbidding um, a bank account, a life insurance plan. He's not forbidding a wise investment. He's not forbidding a retirement portfolio. Right? He's not saying that we should possess nothing or never enjoy what God's given to us. I mean, Abraham had wealth and Job had riches. And the proverb says that we should look to the ant who works hard to store up for time of need. But Jesus is condemning materialism here. The more and more for me view of stuff. The interest only in what? My progress, not in kingdom progress. The idea is simply this. You can write this down. Don't treasure earthly treasures. That's the idea. Don't treasure earthly treasures. Don't treasure earthly treasures. May God be our treasure, right? Money is not our God. 
And so may God be our treasure. This is about our heart. It's about our worship before God. In many places, the Bible does warn us about greed and love of money and covetousness. But guys, as we've been learning, the Bible also has much to say about working hard to earn money, taking care of what we have, multiplying what we have to give all the more, providing for our families, planning well, saving, enjoying what God's given to us. It's why Pastor Tim has said the last few weeks to what? Give your first fruits to the Lord. I've been seeing that in 2 Corinthians 8. Give your first fruits to the Lord and then have a spending and saving plan, right? Where you care for your needs and the needs of your family and enjoy what God's given to you and then give above and beyond out of the excess of that. And so again, Jesus is not giving us a poverty plan, okay? He's not teaching you should have nothing, but he is saying this, check your heart. Be wise. Don't store it up here for self. Have a kingdom mindset. Don't stockpile it here. Do it all for the glory of God, whatever it is, including our money and our possessions. Look, the only absolute security is heavenly security. And so listen, when you invest your time and your talents and your treasures into making disciples, into serving other people, into blessing other people, you build up heavenly treasures that are not going to fade away. They're not going to be stolen from you. They will not be destroyed. God has kept them in heaven for you. He's kept them for you. You just have to die to collect, right? And so this life really is a big preparation for what's to come. So, continuing on, Jesus says, Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but, right, so this is the instead of, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is forever reward, eternal riches, treasure in heaven. And maybe in the column of your Bible there, if you want to, next to verse 20, you just write rich in God. Rich in God. And I I don't want to be the guy that just stores it all up for myself here and now. I don't want to be like the parable, the man in the parable of Luke 12, whose life consisted in the abundance of his possessions, and Jesus called him a what? A fool. And so he tells him, don't be rich here with earthly stuff, but be rich towards God. And so rich in God. That's wisdom, that's perspective, that's joy, and that pays forever. But the key is this. We have to make a choice. Each one of us has to make a choice, right? Will we invest it here or will we store it up there? Is it going to be about earthly treasure or eternal reward? And here's the thing. As you make that choice, maybe you're examining right your own heart right now. As you make that choice, that choice helps you see where your heart is with God, right? See, money and possessions are a great tool to measure our own heart. That's why verse 21 is so powerful. And Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's saying the location of your treasure indicates where your heart is. They won't be separate. If you're treasuring here, 
your heart will be attached here. If you're treasuring God and his kingdom and his plan and his purposes, your heart will be attached there to God. Your money follows your heart. And so we don't want to be enslaved by materialism, but we also don't want to just be preoccupied with ourselves and with money and accumulating more. We want our hearts to be attached to Jesus Christ, our King. We want to be attached to his plan and his purpose and his desires and his agenda and his fame and his kingdom come. So again, where is your focus today? As you examine your heart, where is it? Where is your heart at? Where is your treasure? Heard a story recently about um, a mom that walked into a toy store, big old toy store with her four-year-old son. And uh, they're walking around the toy store, and uh, they're both having a great time together, and they turn this aisle, and the boy sees this amazing race car. And the race car, I guess you could say, was uh, similar to something like this, like a shiny uh, race car he sees, and uh, he goes over and picks it up, and he notices that it makes some cool noises, and uh, lights up, and he just has to have it, Right? And so, Mom, I gotta have this, I gotta have this. And so his mother says, Not today, son. You can't get the race car. And so, what does he do? He throws a temper tantrum. He falls on uh, the floor there in the middle of the store and he starts getting louder and louder and he's crying and he's kind of yelling and he's wanting this race car so bad. So, what does the mom do? She comes over to him and she scoops up her son and she just puts him in her arms. And she says, son, we're not going to buy the race car today, and you need to learn this lesson for a lifetime, and it's this. Don't hang your heart on things. Don't hang your heart on things. So simple, so clear, what Jesus is telling us right here. Set your heart on the things above Don't lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Wife is playing with the car now. (laughs) If you didn't hear that go off, it went off again. All right, so is your hand closing tighter and tighter around things here? If it is, look, loosen your grip. And pray to your Father who is in heaven for freedom and victory in that. And reread Jesus' words here until what? The Spirit begins to renew your mind and transform your heart. And that we would come in alignment with God's truth. Not laying up for ourselves treasures here on earth, but laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Here's point two. Be aware of what draws your eye. Be aware of what draws your eye. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either they'll hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. As we look at these verses, I have to admit, on first read-through, I was kind of like, huh? 
<laughs> I didn't quite understand because Jesus left off in verse 21 talking about our heart, and then he picks up in verse 22 talking about our eye. And so I had to study this, but as I did, this really is so important, right, what Jesus is saying here, and it does still flow into the same thought and theme of what he's trying to teach us about our attitude towards material wealth. And so I want you to see this. As we look at verses 22 and 23 on the eye, it is imperative that you know what comes right before it and right after it. Right? We're, we're talking about context. We have to know that. And so I want to show you this. Let me read to you 19 to 21 again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now quickly drop to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So you have a money issue before and a money issue after. And then you have sandwiched in the middle of that the thought here by Jesus, the teaching on the healthy eye or the bad eye. And so he says again in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your, if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Okay, the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye doesn't produce light, but it causes our body to be surrounded by light. It's our only means, you could say, of vision. And if our eye is good, or if our eye is healthy, we see clearly. It allows us to see things around us, right? And so that affects this tiny little eye in your head, affects your whole body, right? So if you can see clearly, you know to uh, walk around things, right, and not bump into them or trip over things. You know how to pick things up. You can see clearly. And so the little eye affects the whole body. In the same way now, if our eye is bad, if it's damaged, if this little eye is diseased, we might run into stuff. We might trip over stuff. Okay, so our whole body is then negatively affected by this tiny little eye in our head. If the eye goes bad, everything else is going to go bad with it. So here's what Jesus is saying, because this obviously is more than an anatomy lesson, right? Here's what he's saying. If you go back to the context, you either love heaven or you love earth. That's where your heart is. Verse 24 you either serve God or you serve money. You cannot serve both. You cannot have two masters. And so here's what he's saying. The healthy eye, it sees heaven and God and eternal treasure as most valuable, right? Where the bad eye or the unhealthy eye sees earth and self and money as most valuable. He's saying be aware of your eye because a healthy eye shows us that we have a healthy heart, but a bad eye shows us we have a heart problem. The condition of your eye shows you the condition of your heart. The way we look at and use our money is a sure barometer of where our heart is. It's a heart condition. And so this, again, is coming back to our heart before God, our worship before God, where we are with Jesus Christ, where we are with kingdom treasure versus earthly treasure. 
Do we prefer heaven or earth? Do we prefer God or do we prefer money? And I guess so the question then, going off of the eye, is this. Do I see money for me or for Jesus? When I look at money, do I think about um, what I can get or how I can bless other people? When I look at or think about riches, do I think about my own earthly desires and comforts only? Or do I think about my Savior's desires? Is my eye, does it have a singular focus on me or on God? I have to be aware of it. We have to be aware of what draws your eye. We have to be aware of that. We have to know the condition of our heart. Because look, people like Judas served money. The other apostles served God. Moses served God. The rich young ruler served money. The Pharisees, it says in the Bible, that they loved money. But as we're learning about the churches in Macedonia in 2 Corinthians 8 the last few weeks, they loved God. So we have to be aware because all over time, countless of people, right, either store it up there or store it up here, either love God or love money. In fact, I thought this story was interesting. I read um, this week about Eric Little. He's the man and the runner that's portrayed in the movie Chariots of Fire. And uh, as many of you probably know, he was the guy that chose not to run in his favored 100-meter race uh, in the Olympics because it was going to be run on a Sunday. And so he instead chose to run in a different race on a different day. It was the 400 meter. It wasn't his best race, but he won the gold. But here's another thing I found out that I did not know about this man, that soon after uh, the Olympics, he gave up, I guess, the earthly glories of Olympic stardom, you could say, to do this. He went to China, and he served Jesus Christ as a missionary in China. And so someone once asked him, Uh, Later in life, uh, they said, um, have you ever regretted this decision to leave behind athletics? And Little responded like this, I quote, he says, you know, it's natural for a chap to think over all that sometimes, but I'm glad I'm at the work I'm engaged in now. A fellow's life counts for far more at this than the other. Look, may God be our greatest treasure. May may Jesus Christ be our greatest treasure and may others see in us the glory of God, the goodness of God, the greatness of God on display. May God be our greatest treasure. Someone once said, if a man is thoroughly wrapped up in the things of this world, then his eyes must be shut and his heart must be closed to the glories of heaven. And that sums up these verses we're talking about. So, Point number one, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth. Point number two, be aware of what draws your eye. And now point number three, trust your heavenly Father who loves you to provide for your needs day by day. Trust your heavenly Father who loves you to provide for your needs day by day. I'm going to read this. It's a little bit lengthy of a section here, 25 to 34. It's a great section of Scripture. As you track along with me, I want you to do this. Like in your Bible, if you would, uh, just underline or circle the word anxious. Some of your translations may say worry or worried. Okay, if you've got uh, an iPad there or something, just highlight that word. 
uh, worry, worried or anxious. All right, 25 to 34. I want to show you this here. Therefore, okay, so we had all that teaching there from Jesus. He's teaching his disciples here on the, on the large hill. And now he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Go ahead and circle that. About your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, there it is, go ahead and circle, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious, there it is again, about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious. There it is again, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay, got that all down. Now look, Jesus uses the word anxious, or maybe in your translation, worry, six times in this section of Scripture. In fact, the word worry comes from an old German word meaning to strangle or to choke. And that's what it does. It chokes you of the life that God wants you to have. It doesn't benefit us at all, right? It only harms us. It just makes things worse. Someone once said that worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't take you anywhere. And so anxious is used six times in this section. And let's remember the context now. Jesus says in verse 25, therefore. Right, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, it links these sections of scripture together. Remember, Jesus just got through telling them, you cannot serve God and money. He got through telling them, do not store it up here, but store it up there, treasures in heaven. And so with that teaching, Jesus would know, right, that his disciples would have a tendency to worry about the basic necessities of life. Church, listen, these were young men. And they left everything to follow Christ. They left family. They left business. And so Jesus says to them in verse 25, guys, don't be anxious about your life. What you will eat or drink or wear in your body, these are the practical needs of life. He's telling them, don't you give a second thought to these things. Why? Because your heavenly Father will take care of you. Your heavenly Father knows, and he will care for you. He will care for these basic necessities of life. Listen, church, your heavenly Father will care for you too. It's who he is. He will care for you. And I love verse 26. He makes an argument to trust God with all of your needs based upon the way that God cares for the animals. So look at 26 now. He says, look at the birds of the air. Right? Sitting there, right? Birds around. Look at, look at this. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? God created the birds. God gives them life. And they don't sit around worried about where their next meal is going to come from. God feeds them. God sustains them. God cares for them. And so listen now, how much more you? I love if you kept going in Matthew, Matthew 10, verses 29 to 31, are some great verses. It says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And then he spins it again. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Right? Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Verse, 20, uh, verse Matthew 10, fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Man, I love that. There's nothing special about the sparrow, right? We hardly even notice them. They're ordinary birds. Listen, they don't even have their own spot on the zoo map, man. Okay, they're ordinary. So who cares about the sparrow? You tell me. God does. God cares about the sparrow. It says not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father. Not so much as one sparrow plummets to the earth unnoticed by its creator. God cares about the sparrow, feeds the sparrow, sustains the sparrow, and is sovereign over every one of them. And if God is so concerned about a creature as insignificant and unimpressive as the sparrow, here it is now, how much more is God concerned about the only creatures that are created in his image and redeemed by the precious blood of his son? Look, if if God oversees the life of a tiny bird. Look up here. How much more will he watch over you? That's what he's saying. You don't have to be anxious. Don't be worried. He'll care for every part of your life. He has it in hand. You can trust your heavenly father. You're his child. He loves you. He loves you. He'll care for you. When I choose to worry about something, I'm believing God will not take care of me or at least won't care for me in this particular circumstance. It's doubting an all-loving, ever-present, all-powerful God. Listen, if you went home today and you said to your spouse, if you were married and you said to your spouse, I don't trust you. I I don't think you love me. I don't think you're going to care for me. I don't think you have my best in mind. That, That would hurt. That's what our anxiety says to God. I don't think you love me, God. I don't think you're going to care for me, God. I don't think you have my best in mind, God. And so worry then becomes what? It's distrusting the character and the promises of God. And so Jesus tells his disciples, don't be anxious. You are held in the palm of his hands. He will care for you. He loves you. He is sovereign over every one of you. Jesus obviously was not advocating laying around and waiting lazily, though, for God's provision. He was saying, don't worry about it. God will take care of it as we take our responsibility in obtaining it, just like the birds do. So verse 26, look at the birds. Don't be anxious. God loves you. Verse 27, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? It's like... What's worry going to get you? Not going to add even an hour to your life. It ain't going to help you. It's just going to make things worse. 
Your life will be as long as God intends. He is in control. Verses 28 to 30, now let's move on to that. Jesus gives the argument for not being anxious about what they're going to wear. 28 to 30 says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He's like, okay, you looked at the birds, now look at the lilies of the field. Right? Maybe looking down upon the field. Look at the lilies. They don't worry about how majestic their colors are and how beautiful they are, he's saying. They don't even toil and spin to get that way. They are that way because God made them that way. And then he goes on to say, even the, uh, the wisest, richest, best-dressed king, King Solomon, on his best-dressed day, didn't have clothes on his body that were this beautiful and detailed. Now look what he says in verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Church, if the dying grass is clothed in beautiful, majestic flowers, how much more will he clothe his eternal child? That's what he's saying. These are awesome promises. You don't have to fear. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to worry because God will take care of this. You don't have to worry about the basic necessities of life. You just have to worry about following God, just trusting him, your heavenly father, which is listed twice in this text as well. In fact, Jesus says worrying is what? He said, you a little faith. It's, it's a lack of faith. God will care for you. He says, don't be anxious like those who don't know God. You can trust him. You can live confidently because you belong to God Almighty. Verses 31 and 32. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He says it again. For the Gentiles seek after these things. Here it is. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about any of this. God has you covered. He will take care of you. You are his child. Verses 33 and 34. We'll finish on this. He says, but seek first. Okay, so don't worry about it. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first then the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I love the way this finishes. I love how this all connects together. I love God's word. It all makes perfect sense. If you look at verse 33, it says what? Seek first. Seek first. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and seek first his righteousness. Now, remember where we started back in verses 19 to 21? Lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. And do you remember verse 24? Serve God, not money. And as you do all of this, God will meet all of your needs. So he's saying, lay it up in heaven and serve God, not money. And seek first his kingdom and seek first his righteousness. And as you do that, God will care for every one of your needs. He's got you covered. If you are preoccupied with God first, then worrying about me 
becomes eliminated pretty fast. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his holiness. Seek first his plans. Seek first God's purpose. Seek first God's agenda. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. May God be our true treasure. I want to finish with this story and then give us a chance to pray. The story said this, I read this this week, that there was a man who raised chickens. And among them was a rooster whose occasional crowing greatly annoyed a neighbor. Well, early one morning, the disgruntled neighbor called the farmer and complained, that miserable bird of yours keeps me up all night. I don't understand, came the reply. He hardly ever crows. But if he does crow, it's never more than two or three times. So the neighbor said, you know, that isn't the problem. It's not how often he crows that irritates me. But if you only knew what I suffer waiting for that rooster to crow. Stop waiting for the rooster to crow. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about these things, about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. Your heavenly Father will care for all of this. Instead, what? Pursue Jesus Christ passionately with all you got and lay up for yourselves treasures not on earth but in heaven and serve God, not money and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and in all things there in your necessities of all of your life God will care for you he loves you